In our message, we join Luke investigating Jesus, and he begins by addressing our doubts. Hi, my name is Dan Slofrom, the pastor at Crosswalk Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd like to welcome you as we start a, a brand new series that's going to last for the next year. And our series is Investigating Jesus, and it's a walk through uh, the, the Bible, the Gospel account of Luke. And uh, yeah, we're going to take it one chapter at a time, one verse at a time, and cover the entire Gospel. We're very excited about this. And so today, as we begin with Luke chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to go through verse 38. And so my encouragement for you is maybe hit pause, uh, stop for a while, and go read Luke 1, verses 1 to 38 first to, to get the storyline, and then even listen to it afterwards. Uh, as we go through this verse by verse, getting the whole story I think will be very valuable for you. We're starting with Luke, and Luke starts at a place that I, I think I appreciate. And it is, he starts in a way with doubt. And I think he realizes he's very human and realizes that all people have their doubts. That you have your doubts maybe about your job, maybe about your career, maybe about relationships. And with all the doubts that we have, Luke starts by saying, I don't want you to have doubts about God. And so he starts with uh, 1 verse 1 through verse 4. This is what he says. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. We know about Luke a number of different things. One is, is that he was a doctor. One is that he wasn't one of the disciples, uh, but he was a follower uh, of Jesus. And he has both the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which records so many things, so many histories, the history of Jesus and also of the early Christian church. And as a, a doctor, I'm sure that he was curious, curious about the miracles that he heard about, uh, that he wanted to know more. And, and notice it says here that he carefully investigated, that he talked to eyewitnesses, and he wanted to have an account that was orderly, that was easy to follow. For what purpose? So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And as we, we look at this, that is what we want for you. That's what God wants for you as well. That as we go to what is written in the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus, that you can know with certainty. Uh, yeah, we, we have faith and, and we trust God through faith in Jesus. But also there's an investigative piece. There is, there is history behind this. This isn't just blind faith, but it's the testimony of so many witnesses. Interesting for Luke. 
as a doctor, as someone who says he's carefully investigating this, I have to believe that Luke had his doubts. And the reason why I say that is because in Luke chapter 1, what we're going to see is an 80-year-old woman-ish, someone around that age, getting pregnant, which is then followed with a teenager who never had sex getting pregnant. And for Luke as a doctor, he's got to be like, you got to be kidding me. And then throw in there a couple appearances of angels. And I'm sure Luke would have said, man, I, I, I want to make sure this is true. This is hard to believe. And that is why as we, we look at this, we, we want to see the, the investigation that he did so that we can know these things with the same certainty that he did. The very final thing in, in, in verse 3 is where he calls it, he's writing this to a friend, Theophilus. And literally, Theophilus means friend of God. And as we look at that name, it, it's also a name that we can have too. Friend of God, through everything that Jesus has done, so friend of God, uh, let's go forward and, and investigate with Luke and hear what he has to say. He starts at the beginning, uh, the beginning of where he was able to investigate. So we go in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. As we look at this from the investigative point is where we start, first of all, with the timestamp, that he puts the timestamp when Herod, king of Judea, uh, was the king. So immediately we have a time frame uh, in which this, this account happened. Also, he names names of people, uh, people from history, Zechariah, Elizabeth, from the tribe of Abijah, the division of Abijah. So this is something historically that the, the Jewish people could have gone back and say, yeah, these people definitely existed. And specifically here about them, what we see is that they, they were not able to have children, uh, that there was an issue with infertility. And you can see why they might have their doubts. And, and why? Because it says they were righteous people. That they were people who, who before God were, were believers, who followed the Lord. They were right in God's eyes through faith. And that can be difficult when we have prayers, when we go to God and they are not answered. But the account goes on. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I'll just stop there. This is a big deal. This is probably a once-in-a-lifetime thing for Zechariah where he would have been chosen by lot to go to the temple, which would have been, that's not something that would have normally happened. They normally would have been in different parts of the country. But it's this privilege that he had to go and, and his job was to go before the, t the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Again, verse 9, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. 
Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As Zechariah went into the holy place, uh, as he stood there, it, it would have been the altar of incense would have been right in front of him. And there would have been a candle stand off to his left and off to his right would have been a table of showbread. And as he was in there, it would probably be pretty dark uh, as he went in. And the reason why they would go up and they would light the incense on the altar, it goes back to the Psalms when it says, let my prayers rise before you as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And so the, the altar of incense was a visual for the people that in the same way that you would burn the incense, which would have a, a very sweet smell to it, it would rise before it would go up into the air, that in the same way that when God hears the prayers of his people, they reach him and they are sweet smelling to God, that he welcomes them and he answers them. And so that is why as as Zechariah is there. The people are praying outside. Zechariah is praying inside. And what he's told is that there are a couple of prayers that have been answered. Number one, the prayer for you and Elizabeth, which you have been praying for so long, is going to be answered. And secondly, the prayer that God's people have been praying for the Savior to come that has been prayed for thousands of years is going to be answered. And now I want you to just stop here for a moment. As we look at someone like Zechariah, who, who was a leader in the church, and, and he, I'm sure he had his doubts. Have you ever prayed a prayer for five years? For 10 years? Have you prayed the same prayer for 25 years? 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? I don't know how many years they had prayed to have a child, but each time the answer was no. And I had to believe that, that at some point there, there comes this question, does God either have the ability to do this or the willingness to do this? And you kind of give up hope. And for us, the, the beauty of this is that we know that God is able to do it. The open tomb on Easter is proof of that, of God's great power. And we also know his love and his willingness to show love to us through the cross where he paid for our sins. And so we have something even better, even better than what Zechariah had. Knowing God hears our prayers, even when they're not answered, even when we're doubting if God hears them. The other prayer was, as I said, thousands of years old. When would the Savior come? God promised the Savior, but when would it come? 
And in these words, we can see that God, it was now time, is answering these prayers. And what was Zechariah's response? Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> Whoa. These words, I just, I love these words. Just take a moment to dwell on these. How can I be sure of this? You're the pastor, Zechariah. You're the one who tells everyone else that God hears their prayers. And now when, when you're told by an angel that God is going to answer the prayers, you want to know how? And I love the answer. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And newsflash, Zechariah, when you pray, when you're standing in front of the altar of incense, you stand in the presence of God too. And yet you seem to have forgotten who he is. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And so is this a, a punishment to Zechariah that he can't speak or is this a gift? Yes, probably a little bit of both. There are times that I wish I had just a 10-second delay between the words that came out of my mouth and, and my thoughts that I need to think about them a little bit more before I speak them. And so Zechariah was given this punishment and gift to simply be able to listen, to listen to God's promises, uh, to trust God, to go back to his word, which as Gabriel says, can be trusted. They can be trusted by Zechariah and they can be trusted by us. And so at times when you want to question God, how can you do this? I want to know all the details to simply stand in his presence and accept these promises as true. Meanwhile, uh, we're in verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. So again, people that would have been there, yeah, I remember that happening when Zechariah was on duty, more eyewitnesses of what happened. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown, shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. A witness, a witness sharing her testimony. And this testimony is that all of this has happened and God has done it for me. And so we see the, the, the contrast between the pastor and the pastor's wife, the doubting leader in the church, and the trusting uh, wife who, who accepts these blessings and identifies God as the one who answers prayer. But we're not done. Verse 26, after the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, time stamp, so now about the timing again, God sent his angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. 
Again, recognizing him so they could go back in the records. Yeah, Joseph uh, from the tribe of David or from a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And what was her response? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So if I were to say this, Mary was surprised. She was not expecting to see an angel, which I think we can understand. Verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Don't miss these. We could spend a, a couple weeks just on these words of, of who Jesus is. Coming from Mary, coming from the tribe, or not from the tribe of David, but descendant of David. And as we look at this, that he's going to be a king, but, but a king in, in such a different way. He's true God and true man. And as Mary is told, she's the one who's going to be the mother. What is her response? How will this be, Mary asks the angel, since I am a virgin? And again, in, in these words, she's looking for clarity. Kind of understands how the baby thing works and is wondering how she is going to have this baby. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So we see Mary going from surprise to asking for clarity, exactly what, what, what are we talking about here? How is this going to happen? To trusting and belief. May your word to me be fulfilled. As we look at this, and I, I think Luke would have, at these first verses, and, and those were a lot of verses, that we can see a story, the story that is going on, that he sees the human side of it with the people who were involved. But, but I think if, if Luke were to say what this is about, he would say this is God at work. God at work through his people to bring about his promises. God answering prayers in people's lives so that they would understand that, that he had the power to take care of their greatest need, which was their need for a savior. It's day one of testimony. That as we go through Luke and we're investigating, he's investigating, we're investigating, ultimately aren't we then the jury? That, that we listen to what God says. That we listen to these promises that the Holy Spirit works through God's word. And it is my prayer that you see this as the start, a start of a journey with us, that we listen to what God has to say, that we investigate it with Luke, and as we do that, we will have the certainty that God provides. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have given us definite information about you through your Holy Spirit. We thank you for an individual like Luke who carefully investigated the truth of, of eyewitnesses and, and went and researched these accounts to know that they are true. Lord, help us have certainty. Help us that when you make promises, we go, wow, that, that God, you are great, and that we don't get caught up in the how, but we trust you to keep your promises. Lord, we thank you for being with us, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace, amen.